0: been. Let's see, sure this is on. It is on. Good, good. Our pastor's been back in Chicago. In fact, yesterday was the launch and celebration of New Seasons Church Chicago. Yeah. Praise God. New Seasons Church Chicago. And then just know that next week he is going to New Seasons Church Albany for revival meetings. So our pastor is, you know, it's New Seasons is national. It's not just here in El Cajon. It's not just here in in Spring Valley or up in San Francisco. In fact, we have about six or seven other New Seasons churches. And I remember hearing him say either last Wednesday or Sunday that even in the future, there's going to be a New Seasons church, Jordan. The country of Jordan. Jordan. Worldwide. So God is doing amazing things. and, And listen, it's not about New Seasons church and us getting a big head about New Seasons church. It's about... God giving us the opportunities to continue to spread his word, to continue to le- uh, uh, live for him. And I want you to know, and I thank you for coming. I thank you for setting your clocks ahead so that you could be here this morning. I thank you. Welcome to our guests and our sisters from Spring Valley. We're glad that you're here this morning. And uh, so we're just going to have a great time. in the Lord, as we look at his word, because God has a message just for you. God has a message. Just for you. In fact, as I was thinking about this text. And we are going to continue in Second Peter. And I want to encourage you. If you haven't read the entire book of Second Peter. It's always good to be able to read the, the book. Before the, the, the sermons or the messages are preached. Because God will say things. And speak to you in different ways. And you hear the preacher. Because God speaks to us personally from his word. Amen. And so. We're in Second Peter, but as I was thinking about this text, uh, we're in verses nineteen through twenty-one today, three verses, and thinking about it. And I trust that you have some message notes so that you can take notes and keep notes and record what the Lord says to you today, if you'd like. But as I was thinking about this, I thought about this: if you had, say, one month, beloved, to live, and you wanted to get all your family and your friends together. Before you would die. What would you tell them? What would you say to them? What would you say to them that would be the most important um, message for them to hear? Would you tell them of your confidence in Christ? That you know where you're going? Would you give them a heart-to-heart talk of, say, how to live successfully in God's eyes? Not success in the world but successfully in God's eyes would you would you tell some of your family members and and, and charge them to stay out of trouble <laughs> would you be would you would you give them a message to be wise in the decisions that they make would you give them the things that would encourage them and strengthen them and prepare them for the challenges and the struggles that they would go through that they're going through now and that they would go through you know, being the patriarch of my family, my father has been gone now for about five years or so, and I have a younger sister and two brothers that live here in San Diego, and as well as my daughters, two daughters, and two sons. And I thought about what I would say to them. And I thought about what I would say to Jeannie, my wife. Is she in the house? You know, speaking heart to heart. That's a, that's a serious thing to think about. That if you, if you had a few days left, what would you say to your wife? What would you say to your family? And I want to say to you from my heart, being in my last days, I would want to leave them with a message that would give them the strength to go forward and live their life to the fullest for God. That's what I would want to do. And, and I would charge them to stay committed to Christ and not give up or check out no matter how difficult it might get. We come to church and we have freedom. You weren't accosted or you weren't told or you weren't, when you came to the church today, you didn't see the doors locked. You didn't see chains on the doors. You didn't see uh, police officers out in the parking lot uh, or out at the gate saying, uh, this church is closed. How would we feel if that happened? We come to church with freedom to worship God. But in the scenario, beloved, of Second Peter, and Peter's writing to these Christians that are under intense persecution. We don't know what that's like. You know, if I use a hammer and I slip and I hit my thumb, that, that's pain. That's persecution. <laughs> to me. But we have no clue what persecution is like being dragged from your families. And if you were here last Sunday and you saw the video of the first century Christians. We don't know what it's like. And sometimes, and I want to share with you, it's, I struggle because this letter is written to that group of believers. But the word of God, remember, is the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration and in what? And is Profitable for us. Profitable for us to teach us and to correct us and to train us in, in, in righteousness. So God's word is for us. This message of 2 Peter is for us today. And if I can say it to you this way, I believe the reason God led our pastor to take us as a church family through 2 Peter is preparation. Preparation. Because God knows what's coming down the pike. We don't know. And let me just say to you, and we know this is on TV and all that, the political scene and everything. Sometimes I get weary and tired, you know, of the political scene and that kind of a thing. We know that that's, 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 that's just in, in, in front of our face as a country today. But the answer isn't those candidates. The answer is Jesus. Amen? And God knows, God knows the future. And so I just want to encourage you today as we look at this text. Because Peter's facing his own end of days. So, what can he say to them that will give them the courage to stand for Christ no matter what? Before we get into the text, and we're going to pray in a moment, how many of you saw the movie uh, God's Not Dead? Okay, good. A lot of hands. Do you know that there's a second movie coming out called God's Not Dead 2? And it's coming out in April. Minister Eddie and I had the privilege of seeing a preview of it. Very powerful movie. And it's it's the stuff that I'm going to show you a preview uh, in, in a moment. OK, the, the trailer, if you haven't seen it, if you have seen it, it's good to see it again, because this stuff is happening in our country right now. But before we look at that, let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we are free to be in your house. We thank you today that we are free to t- to say Jesus. We thank you that we are free to say, Jesus, you are Lord, and that we open your word and we look at it and we want to hear a message from you. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for that freedom, God, to come to church and to worship you, sing songs to your name. And Lord, we thank you that you have given us the the, the privilege not only to be here as your people, but to know that our future, Lord, as your people, is in your hands. And we thank you, God, for that. And, Lord, so I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that your word goes forth today in power, in conviction, in correction, and in challenge, and, Lord, in change. Because we know, Lord, we know that as you give us your word, you call us, you, you, you call us to be accountable to what you tell us, Lord, so that we can live for you and be stronger each and every day to stand for, for you. For your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you for today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, "Amen." Watch this. Watch this trailer of this new movie, "God's Not Dead Too." Mistake. Beloved, say with me, God's not dead. God's not dead. He's surely alive. And God has an assignment for you and I. God has a word from his word. And in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 21, this is the text. This is, this is what, what Peter was dealing with in the first century was this kind of a thing and even more intense, as I said, but Peter, I want you to see in verse 12 of chapter one, Peter starts out, he says, I want to remind you, I don't want to be negligent to remind you always of these things, what things, the things of uh, that God has given to us to live for Christ, the things that God has given to us to keep us strong in the Lord and keep us in a close relationship with him. He says in verse 15, if you look at that, he says, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things, after what? After my death, after my decease. He says, I want to stir you up, reminding you, knowing that soon I will be put to death. And why? Because the only anchor that you and I have, and that's the the uh, title of my message, the anchor of hope, the only anchor of hope that you and I have to live each and every day, and through the fires of whatever God may allow to come to the American church, is this book. Amen? Do I have an amen? That's right. And so we come to, and the backdrop of this, these scriptures is verses 17 and 18. As Pastor addressed that last Sunday, is that Peter is saying, listen, the word of God, the authority of a message about Jesus, the authenticity, the accuracy is because I witnessed it. I was there. He says in verse 17, if you have your Bibles open to 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, for he received Jesus, he is is referring to Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And notice he says, we heard, we heard his voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is talking about and bringing us back to the Mount of Transfiguration where he was an eyewitness of Jesus being transformed into his glory. And transfigured is a better word than transformed. But Peter saw Jesus in his glorified form as God. He saw God's glory. Turn with with me for a moment to Matthew chapter. 17 Matthew chapter 17 is where we find this story and I know that the verses were uh, on your uh, notes last Sunday but I want you to look at it from your Bible as well Matthew chapter 17 beginning with verse 1 when you have it say I have it I got it and he says now after six days Jesus took Peter James and John who did he take Peter James and John three disciples And uh, John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was, what, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. Now, if you look at the sun, what do they tell you? If you look right into the sun, what, what can happen? You go blind. The piercing rays of the sun. Can you imagine a face shining like the sun? And notice this. It says, and his clothes became as white as light. And he beheld, and behold, Moses and Elijah, two prophets, appeared to him, uh, appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. See, Peter didn't understand. He didn't get what was going on. He thought, okay, Jesus, let's put you and Moses and Elijah together. Let's put you in these booths, they were called, and and let's call you, okay, you're a prophet, Jesus, and Moses is a prophet, and Elijah was an Old Testament prophet. So we want to hear all three. Now, this is important. Stay with me. Because, notice it says, while he was still speaking, Peter now, Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying what? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Beloved, what does that say to you and I today? There's only one message. Pay attention. Pastor Mike, pay attention. It's not religion. It's not stuff that you hear out there. It's not stuff that you even hear in the church. If it's not about Jesus, it's not God. Do I have an amen? He's the one that we hear. He's the one that speaks. He's the one that we honor. And so even the father said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched him and said, arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, this is so cool. They saw no one but whom? Jesus only. I loved it. Last Wednesday, I had the privilege of uh, teaching on Jonah. We're in a series on Jonah, the Old Testament prophet. And pastor's been uh, traveling and so on. So he asked me to teach a lesson again. And when he came to the, the pulpit after the lesson, he said, New Seasons Church is not a church about personality. He said, it's not about personality. He says, it's not about me. You've heard him say that many times. It's not about personality. It's about the word of God and the purpose God has for his people. And I I honor him. I respect him and and, and listen to him as our senior pastor and follow him. But I'm so appreciative because I've been in places where the preacher, it was his pulpit and it was his personality. The church was built upon the preacher. No, the church is built upon whom? Jesus Christ and him only. And so Peter wants to make that clear in his last words, if you will, to these believers. Now, here's the thing. Peter, going back to second Peter, our text, if you would, if you're an eyewitness of something, let me ask you. You see it with your eyes. You watch what is happening. Here's the deal. People can tell you, well, that's just a story you're making up. But what would you tell them? What would you tell them, Brother Gino? It's okay. I saw it, right? I was there. You can tell me that I'm making up a story, but I know what I saw, right? Exactly. And so, you know what you saw. No one can tell you different. You were there. You witnessed it. And based upon that eyewitness account, based upon hearing the voice of Jesus speak to uh, to us, Peter says in verse 19, which is now our text, the verses that I want to have you look at today. He says what? He says, and I like how the message puts it. He says what? We couldn't be what? More sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory. God's voice. The prophetic word was what? Was confirmed to us. So, beloved, we have the confirmation of our message about Jesus. He says we have a prophetic word confirmed. Now, here's the thing. There are two ways we can understand this, this uh, prophetic word. Because when you see the word prophecy and you're not a churchgoer, you're not you know, religious or you're not even a believer in Christ, if you see the word prophecy, what would you think about? What would you think of? Future. What else? Possibly fortune-telling. Possibly You know, possibly psychics, because it's about the future, right? It's about telling the future. For some, it conjures up images of telephone uh, psychics and and the like, crystal ball and things like that. But the biblical meaning of prophecy, and I know as you're sitting there with your Bible open, you get it, because the Spirit of God gives us understanding and wisdom when we come to his word. You understand that the prophecy isn't about fortune-telling or about a crystal ball or whatever. The biblical meaning of prophecy is what? The message is given by whom? By God. Remember, months ago, months ago, Pastor did a series on Malachi, the Old Testament book of Malachi. And you might remember that Malachi's name means what? My messenger. He bore the name of my messenger. I am God's messenger. Isn't that cool? To have that kind of a name? My messenger? you got to live up to that, though, don't you? <laughs> Minister Eddie. So my messenger. See, the prophet is then told to deliver the message to God's people in the way God gives the message. So a prophet in the word of God is not one who's a fortune teller, but one who said what? Thus saith the Lord. So Peter says we are even more confident. The confirmation of the prophetic word, the message that's been proclaimed by what? By the prophets. Confirmed is a cool word because it means to be fixed, to be sure, to be certain. If figuratively, it's it's like this. Let me, let me take you to a familiar story. Go to the slide Matthew 7, if you would, Deacon Paul, just a few slides right here. You know this. Jesus was speaking about the importance of his word. And what did he say? Read, read it with me. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who what built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not what fall why because it had been founded where on the rock but notice jesus says however notice the next slide everyone and does not do them Will be like a what foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell, and great was the fall. Now he's not talking about construction, he's talking about our lives. He's talking about his word, because in the context he was saying, "Listen to my word." And if you're wise, you'll build your life on my word. Beloved, how many of you know how important it is? You'll never go wrong if you build your life on the word of God. (laughs) You know, I was recollecting my my, uh, past a little bit with Elder Hayes the other day. And I appreciate Elder Hayes. He's now 69 years old and such a man of wisdom if you know who i'm talking about he's a wonderful brother in christ but um i was saying you know growing up yeah i had a little bit of church growing up i had a little bit of you know good a little bit of preaching and so on i'd hear different preachers but what really straightened me out is when god allowed me to go to bible college and i was under very good professors that just like new seasons church said this is what the word of god says it's not in the songs. It's not in what people have told you. It's not in what you might have heard growing up in church. But it's what God's word says. And that really, really shook me. And, and, and God used that to bring about a desire that, Lord, I want to grow in your word. I want to get to know you. I want to know what your truth says. I was so blessed last Sunday, uh, uh, Brother Ed, at uh, the meet and greet. And, Brother, remember, you said, I want to grow in God. I want to know God more. Yes. Yes. And when we say that to the Lord, do you know he delights in that? Do you know that when we have a hunger to get to know God more, he opens up the scriptures to us? And he speaks to us. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And so Jesus is, is pouring out this, this example or this illustration of how important it is to build our life on the Word. And the Word in, in our text here, that Peter's referring to, it's, it's uh, Peter, we know, heard God's voice at the transfiguration. But he refers to the written word of God. By the way, that's, th- that's not the New Testament he's talking about. Because think about it. We have the entire Bible, right? We have the entire Bible, the, the book to open up and read from Genesis to Revelation. But the word that Peter's referring to is the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been completed yet. So he's referring to the Old Testament prophets. It's like this: I want to show you this slide. When after Jesus's resurrection, he was there were two disciples on the road to Emmaus, two followers of Christ, and you may you may remember that they were just their hearts were burdened, they they were discouraged, they were disappointed because jesus had been crucified horribly crucified and he was put in the tomb they didn't know that he'd risen from the dead and so they're they're walking along and jesus comes up like a stranger to them and he says what are you talking about and so they have this conversation it's in um luke 24 do we have that slide and and as he was dialoguing with these two, he says this. He said to them, what? Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then watch what he says. Beginning with whom? Moses and whom? All the prophets. He interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things what? Concerning himself. And then it says that later on he broke bread with them, and their eyes were open, and they were elated. They ran they ran out and said, Jesus is alive. Because <laughs> we saw him. Oh man. Isn't God amazing? Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I wish that our Lord would just step right into the house, just bodily, I don't think we'd be sitting like we're sitting I don't think we'd be sitting casual, I think we'd be on our faces of his glory, but based upon the confirmation of the Word of God, the prophetic message of God, notice what Peter says, this is where the rubber meets a row beloved he says what which you do what well to heed in other words pay attention keep it before you look at how the message puts it you you'll do well to keep focusing on it on what's it the word of God it's the one light you have notice in a dark time as you wait for the daybreak and the rising of the morning star in your hearts now this would have this wouldn't have the intensity to us if I could put it that way to you as it did for the first century Christians. Remember, they were in a very dark time. Remember, they were being ripped from their homes. They were being thrown into the Colosseums and thrown to the lions and so on. They were suffering heavy persecution. It was a very uncertain time. And the only light in the dark tunnel was God's message of hope for them. But let's bring it back to where we live. It's been said, you've either been through a storm or what? You're going, yeah, you've been through a storm, you are in a storm now, or what? Or you're about to go into a storm. That's the way life is, amen? We're either in it, we've been in a storm, we're, we're in a storm now, or we're going to go through. It's not if, but when, amen? I look at our deacon and brother, Mike Knapp, a lot older than me you had a lot of storms, brother? Okay. Has the Lord been good? Yes, he has. Has he been with you in the storm? Absolutely. You see, storms of life are going to come. And when it hits hard, beloved, what is our hope? What is our anchor? In fact, hold up your Bible for a moment if you would. Hold it up. Just just hold it up. All right. Guess what? We're Bible people. We're Bible people. We're people that believe in this book. And the point is, pay attention to it and live it. Live it. See, it's, why is this so important? He says, um, because we have an anchor. Not only that, but God's word is not only our message of hope, But he says what he's a it's a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, which is a reference to Christ's coming. But before I go there, why is God's word so important? Yes, it is a hope to us in tough times, but it's also keeps us. Listen, keeps us from getting caught up in the darkness. Keeps us from getting fouled up or getting tricked by the enemy. To, 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 who wants to mess up our lives? Getting caught up in the darkness of Satan's world. See, here's the thing, beloved. You don't have to be worshiping demons to be caught up in the darkness. Amen. That's right, Tashawn. You, you you know you you can you all all, all it takes all it takes is just to, to to just kind of cool off a little bit, not read the Bible, not come to church, kind of drift away. As I've others seen other believers part of New Seasons Church that have kind of done that in their lives and that's all it takes and Satan just says okay let me just kind of keep you away keep you away keep you distracted put some other stuff on Facebook that doesn't even make sense with the Lord just just kind of keep you away right and he can keep us in the darkness but notice this next verse out of Ephesians Ephesians 5 says what for once you were what full of darkness Uh, that's bc before christ (laughs) but now you have say it with me beloved light from the lord so what live as people of light for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true then he says carefully determine what pleases the lord as we continue Take what? No part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. So the word of God, Peter says, Peter calls the word of God the light that not only guides us, but keeps us from the darkness. So, beloved, it's important to keep it before you. It's important to keep it a priority in the way that you live. Stay committed to it. Because notice this little word. I love this word. Until. See that in your Bible? Until. What does that say? We could read right past that. In fact, the other day I did. And then I thought, God says, wait a minute. Hold on. Go back to that. How many letters are in until? One, two, three, five-letter word. Until. It's a word that reminds us. Jesus is coming. Come on, say it with me. Jesus is coming. He says, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Peter's saying to these persecuted believers, stay in there. It's still worth it because someday Jesus is coming. He could come today. The Bible gives no time frame of when Christ returns. He could come today. <laughs> and he's, and if not today, someday you and I will see the Lord. And when I see the Lord, when I look at my Savior face to face, I want to hear him say, well, done, you were faithful. Man, God knows the issues I have. God knows the difficulty. God knows the temperament. God knows how I am at home. But at the end of the day, I want, when I see my Savior and Lord face to face, I want to hear Him say, Son, you were faithful. Hold on. You were faithful. You didn't check out. See? See? Peter uses this figurative language to describe the Lord's return. And it's a beautiful language. Look at what Romans says. This is so great. Romans, this next verse out of Romans. Another reason for right living is this. Notice, you know how late it is. He's not talking about the clock. He's talking about, um, how can you put it? He's talking about God's timetable. He says, time is what? Running out. So wake up, for the coming of the Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. I got saved in 1973. God straightened me out in 1973, and I understood God's a powerful, mighty salvation. But that was 73. It's 2016 now, and the Lord's return is nearer now than it was then. Amen? And then he goes on to say, is that it? The night is far gone. The day of his return will what? Soon be here. So he says, quit the evil deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of right living as we who live in the daylight should. So beloved, listen. Peter says until the lord comes let the scriptures let his word illumine shine in your mind and heart in the way that you live and the songs listened that you listen to in the things that you say let god's word direct you and guide you what you put on facebook how you speak how you interact how you talk see it's all about living right Amen? In the private and in the public arena of our lives. And then notice he says, he gives a defense of the prophetic word. He says, knowing this first, that what? That no prophecy of scripture is of any interpretation. So we not only have the confirmation of the word of God, we have the consecration of our message about Jesus. And what Peter is saying here is God so has protected his word to make sure that there are no private interpretations. God is the only one who reveals truth to us. It also shows that when the, prof- when the prophets spoke, they spoke and wrote what God gave them to speak and write. The word interpretation means unloosing, to show that God released his word, that, that he not only revealed his word, but he released it so that Peter could declare it, but also, listen, that you and I could read it, understand it, and guess what? Stay with me, stay awake, declare it. Straighten people out that have a whole crazy, mixed-up idea about what the Bible says. Because here's the thing, beloved, here's the thing. He says it's not any um, private interpretation. He says prophecy never came, verse 21, by the will of man. This is important because it shows how sacred God's word is. This is not just a religious book. You and I have in our hand the Bible, the very words of God, his truth, his principles, his commands. And this is important because how do you answer someone who says, well, the Bible is just a book that was written by men? How do you answer somebody? Or have you ever in a conversation had somebody say, well, the Bible has just a bunch of contradictions in it? Has that happened? Oh, yeah. It's, it's just it's just a bunch of stories that men made up. But the Bible is 66 books compiled of 40 authors, all speaking the same message. And what message? From Genesis, the first book of this Bible, to Revelation, the last book, the message is about there is a Savior. There is a Savior. He is the Lord God of heaven, and God so loved the world that He what? Gave His only begotten son people say they don't believe in the Bible because there are contradictions in the Bible when someone says that to me and I just want to share with you what I say to them first of all I ask them well where are those contradictions and and I ask them have you read the Bible and you know what they say "Ah, I haven't read the Bible much do you have a Bible no I don't have a Bible but the, but but the Bible has contradictions. But the Bible is just a b- big book that's written by uh, a, a bunch of men that made up stories. Well, have you read the Bible? No, no, no. I don't. I don't. I don't read the Bible. Well, this is what you've heard then. This is what people have told you. This is what maybe you grew up on. But here's what we know. Look at 2 Timothy two 2 Timothy two fifteen says what? You got it. One more time. Study. Be diligent to what, beloved? Show yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. See, what what rightly dividing the truth means is comparing Scripture with Scripture. Scripture confirms the truth of the Scriptures. So we can be confident when people tell us this book has contradictions, this book is just a bunch of stories, we can be confident this is the Word of God. Now, bottom line, they've got to take it by faith, right? But if you challenge them to get into the Bible and start reading it, guess who's going to take over? God's going to say, all right, you're in my word now. Let me show you. Let me show you. And he's going to change their heart. But we can give an answer because if we study and we know with confidence. Or let me give you an example. First Corinthians fifteen three, and I put it on the screen, is, is the gospel. It says what? Christ died for our Scriptures according, or our sins rather, according, yeah, (laughs) to the what? Scriptures. What Scriptures? I put it there for you to write in your notes. Isaiah 53, 1 to 7. Psalm 22, verse 1, and 13 to 14. Isaiah 53, let me just read a little, a couple of verses there for time's sake. But Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus' crucifixion. uh, A thousand years before Christ ever stepped on on the earth, walked on the earth, Isaiah wrote about Jesus going to the cross. And here we have in Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, verse 4. Smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. All we like, like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity. The sin of us all. And Isaiah continues on. And then. The, go back to 1 Corinthians uh, slide. It says he was. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. But notice. Next one. And that he was what? Buried and that he rose again on the third day, according to scripture. What scriptures? And he was seen by five hundred people at one time. Next slide. It says Psalm sixteen ten says what? For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to, to the grave, nor will you allow whom? Your holy one to undergo decay. David wrote that, but he wasn't writing it about himself. He was writing it about Christ. He was—it's a picture of Jesus not staying in the grave. So here's some examples of how the Word of God, the Scripture, how the the prophecies, the Old Testament writings confirm what happened, and and uh, we have the New Testament now to read and know what happened with Christ, and then he was seen by five hundred people at one time. So back to our text in. Second Peter, it says that that he was. uh, So these prophecies, the truth about Christ are not the will of man. But notice, holy men of God, what spoke as they were, what moved by the Holy Spirit. These writers of, of the word of God were not just writing what they felt like, beloved. They were moved along, guided, directed by the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever been on a sailboat? Oh, quite a lot of you. How many of you sailed a sailboat? Cool. I've never done that. It would be fun. The word moved along is that word. That, that what propels a sailboat? The wind. Now, I know that in modern day, sailboats have motors, too, on them probably. But when the sail goes up, they have to depend on what? The wind. That's this word. Moved along means that, that just like, and, and, and it's like, um, it's like uh, referring to a sailing ship carried along by the wind. So understand this. This is so beautiful. God was so protective of his word, and he made sure that the human authors were controlled by the divine author, the Holy Spirit. And yet God used their personalities, their uniqueness of style to involve them and the process. They were not just taking down dictation. Write this down. No. No. God gave them the message. He wanted them. God gave them the the, the prophecies. God gave them, this is what the future is going to look like. God revealed it to them. And where does this make sense? And then what do we do with it today? Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm almost done. 2 Timothy 3.16 says what? You got it. You got it. Boy, that's right. Where is it? The Deacon Paul is trying to find it. All Scripture, read it with me, is inspired by God and is useful to what? Teach us what is true. Make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people. Why? To do every good work. So, beloved, you and I have the authoritative word of God. Amen? You and I have the truth of God. We have the scriptures. And guess what? The more we dig and the more we study and the more we put ourselves in a place where we can learn, like Deacon Mike's class after the service today and so on, the more God will reveal his truth. You can't expect God to speak to you if you leave it like that. Mm, Come on. Mm. Come on. Come on. Come on. Lord, you're not saying anything. How come? I mean, I got my Bible. Come on. Come on. Come on. Not going to work, right? Obvious. However, when we study to show ourselves approved, God says, Yes, let me show you today. Let me give you my word for today. Let me help you get through what you're going through. And let me give you the truth to help that brother, that sister, that family member that needs to know how much I love them. Amen? All right. So, no wonder we have. The word of prophecy which is certain and no wonder that our nurturing and our growth in God's word must depend upon the scriptures. They're the very words of God himself. I wrap it up by watching this video. It'll come. It'll come. It's misbehaving. You'll get it. There we go. There we go. This is not just an ancient book. This is the living word of God that you and I build our life upon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are who you are and that we have that confidence, we have that truth, we have that faith. And Lord, we thank you that your word, you've given it to us in complete freedom to be confident, to continue to follow you, to continue to live for you. Lord, I pray your richest blessing upon your people. Lord, New Seasons Church, that no matter what happens, we will always hold forth the word of life and see lives changed. And, Lord, if there's someone here today that needs a life change, needs to come to you, Lord, for salvation, needs to come back to you, Lord, because of how the church has treated them or others have treated them, but, Jesus, you would never, never be unfaithful, never disappoint, never throw them out. I pray, Lord, that they'll come back to you today. And I thank you, God. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.